testify of that. He's good all the time. Amen. And all the time, he's good. We sure love the Lord today. Love and appreciate you. And thank you for being here and being a part of the service today. Those of you that are listening in as well, and we're so happy to uh, be able to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Looking to the Lord today just to minister to hearts and lives and reveal his self to us. Amen. May he do that. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to read the scripture and then we'll have prayer. Um, let's go to Genesis 18 and verse 1. And I'm going to read from this uh, passage of scripture and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to, from, toward the ground and said, My Lord, if, I have now, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourself under the tree. So let's just talk to the Lord. Father, we love you and we thank you for your many blessings to us, the grace of God that is upon our lives, the mercies that endure forever, the healing power of God that is going forth as we speak and reaching down into homes that where there are those that are sick, some of them sick with COVID, flu, other situations. Lord, uh, some, some are away because they've been traveling or are gone, Lord, and unable to be here today. But Lord, we are here and you are here. And there's more than two or three, but Lord, there's a, a good number of us here today and we're looking to you to minister to hearts and lives as we thank you for ever blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You can be seated. May the Lord add his blessings to his word. I, I have a testimony today from Brother Eric Wilson from South Africa. And now these, uh, I just want to explain a little bit about them. You know, they are, they are people that have a church that they support and, and minister at, and uh, they're not a part of a personality cult. We don't receive any money from them, but after their service is over, they just like to come and be a part of the worldwide audience as we edify the body of Christ. And I just wanted you to see the impact that you're having upon people around the world and families and churches and, and others. And while I'm doing this, let me just take, before I play his, his um, greetings and testimony today, I want to greet uh, Brother Buzbozi, a pastor and missionary to Uganda and Ethiopia. He's listening in with his family today, and they send their greetings to you and the audience here that um, is listening in. And also, greetings to Pastor John Ogosum from Ghana, who's also a part of our audience and uh, listens to every service. These are pastors, men of God. Many of them have been ministers for many years, but um, they, um, they are edified and built up and strengthened and encouraged by the ministry and by the word of the Lord and by your worship to God. And um, so also, there, no doubt today down in South Texas, Brother Buster Wiggins and the saints there, we'd like to greet them as they um, 
or without a pastor in that little small work in that area. They're part of our audience and those down in Beaumont as well and different other places are shut-ins like uh, Brother and Sister Hollis are listening in. So we can send greetings to you, Brother and Sister Hollis. We love you and, and look forward to the time. She told me the other day, she said, Brother Tim, we want to try to get together and, and, and just come back to church one more time, at least once more. Amen. So they're, they're wonderful people. We love them and appreciate them. And then there are other elderly in other states unable to attend church, like Brother Bill and Sister Johnny Mayo, that we baptized recently, and they join with us for every service. So we send greetings to them. And, um, you know, I, I think of sometimes, um, you know, the impact that we can have upon the bride of Christ worldwide and the responsibility that we have of taking the message around the world. And uh, many times people will say, well, what about the missionary outreach? Well, we do missionary outreach, but this in itself is a missionary outreach. I can preach in this pulpit and minister to more people than if I flew overseas and preached in a convention. And, uh, you know, and reach in many different places and, uh, and, and did... Uh, uh, and, and reached out into different places away from, from this very pulpit. But anyway, my thoughts go to a little sister in England. She's now deceased. But one day they were down praying, her and her friend, and knew nothing of the message. And they were just down praying, and the Spirit of God fell upon them, and, and the Holy Spirit spoke and said, The deep calleth unto the deep. And... and you know, after prayer, they looked at each other and said, well, what does that mean? So they looked in the Bible and they found, uh, you know, in the Bible, the deep calls to the deep. And then they put it in the internet, you know, uh, deep call to the deep. And, and uh, that led them to, um, to Brother Biscoe's church. And, um, and so as they tuned in that day, I was preaching. And uh, so they took my name and they began to follow me everywhere that I I ministered and preached and back home in our own home pulpit. And they would stay up till two o'clock in the morning just to tune in and listen. And, um, you know, so again, those are souls that we would have never reached. Except that God has made a way that that the gospel could go into all the world by means of the internet. And so this is winds up blessing the people. This now this sister's done going on to be with the Lord. And, but you know, who knows the impact that we, we will have on that day when we will meet people and realize that we had a positive influence upon others' lives and their lives were changed because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to let Brother, um, uh, Brother Eric Wilson from South Africa, I think he's from the Cape area, that uh, he's going to greet you now and, and speak to you. I just thought it was noteworthy and asked his permission. Can I, can I let the church hear you speak today? So uh, Brother Eric, God bless you and your wife and children and the saints that are gathered there with you tonight because uh, it's night over there. God bless you. Amen. Good afternoon, Pastor Pruitt. God bless you. This is Brother Eddie from Somerset, West Cape Town. 
It is a good day today. God is good to us and He's been very faithful. Many times we tend to be unfaithful, but it's because of the faithfulness of God that we are alive and well. We really thank God for His grace and for His mercy and for the change that He's brought in our lives. We were just, uh, today we were in church and we had a great time in the presence of God and the anointing of God and how God touched the people in church. And I was reminded of what you said to me a few months ago that it is not the minister that packs the revival in his suitcase. Wherever you are, God can, wherever you are, God can actually use you through you. I mean, if you, you, you the person, it's the people that brings the revival. And this morning we saw how God brought about the revival in our church in amongst the people. And I'm, I'm very sure and convinced that it is where you eat and how you eat, the word that's been ministered to you, the fivefold ministry of God that is edifying us as, as people here in South Africa. And uh, it's amazing, the, the other night we, we went for the youth meeting and Brother Aaron, he ministered at Evening Light Tabernacle. And, you know, the, 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 the message that he brought was so inspiring. It, it touched my heart to such an extent that I said, Lord, how can I preach this to the people? And I said, Lord, let me just play the video and, and all of us, the young people, we would listen and the presence of God came down and you would just see all the young people going to the altar and uh, desiring prayer and desiring a touch from God. And God is so good to us. This week we were inside and two o'clock in the morning we woke up with the songs and praises. And then we realized it was the children that's actually streaming the young people and uh, the convention that they have, the meetings that the young people have. It is so amazing and it's so wonderful to know that the change that God brought about in our people's lives. And last week we were listening to your message as you preached and we had a family here and we had the pastor's wife over here. And the people they could not even, they didn't want to go because of the, the presence of Almighty God. And you realize that how great God is and, and what God is doing for us. And my heart is once again so thankful and, 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 and so overwhelmed to know that God has brought us to a place where we can listen to messages from Evening Light Tabernacle and people that is there. As, and I don't want you to take it wrong, but it's role models when we look at the young people. We, it's role models when we look at the ministers where we can say, Lord God, that's what you've done in their life. We want that life. We want that God that's in them, that's changed them. And you can actually see the difference. That's what we desire. And this is what God has graciously granted to us that we can only go and say, thank you, Lord, for your grace and for your mercies. We see the change in our people and we see, you know, how they worshiping God, the way the young people worshiping God and the, 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 the life they start to live and, and how God has changed us. We really want to thank God for you and thank you and, and the ministers at Evening Light Tabernacle for availing yourself for God to work through you. God bless you richly and we really appreciate you all. Uh, we're looking forward to the service. We, we're preparing ourselves, looking forward, because it's something that we cannot miss. God is really touching us. 
God bless you all. Greet the family and greet the church. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, it isn't about us four no more. And it's not even, it's not at all about a personality cult that you follow after. It's getting in love with Jesus. Amen. And, uh, and serving the Lord with all of your heart. And so we greet all of these brethren uh, wherever they are. And I know there's many, many more. And I'm sorry, I, I can't um, call every name and every person. Um, because, um, you know, there's even, there has even been those that have asked me, Brother Tim, will, you know, when you preach, will you just call my name too? <laughs> Amen. But we love you and we appreciate you. And, and we thank the Lord for what he's doing in lives and hearts and around the world. And you see, like I said, it's not just about us. It's about a bride around the world. As, uh, as he said, he'd have a bride out of every nation, kindred, tongue, tribe, or people. Now, you know, many of these, that, well, just about many of, most all of these that I've mentioned, especially from overseas, I've never even met. Never had the privilege to shake their hand. But, you know, God has stirred their hearts and moving in their lives. And, and in some way, we can be an oak tree and a little bit of encouragement for them to be able to take and find rest under our shade for a little bit and, and uh, help them in life's journey uh, to be a greater Christian, to be ready for the coming of the Lord. You say, well, Brother Tim, why would you even be interested in anybody else but your own little group? And only oh, Because, you see, if God has a people, and they are people out of every kindred, tongue, tribe, and nation, well, uh, no matter how rapture-ready that I am, I can't go without them. So, therefore, I want to see them dressed in the Word of God and, and walking in with God like Enoch walked with God. So I have an interest in other people and other needs. And, you know, there, are, there is great mission work that is, can be done and every bit of your mission money that you give and, and whatever we put in a mission fund. And I don't always tell you where it goes, but it goes for the work of the Lord. We have uh, done different things with it, um, printing books. Um, right now, we're still uh, just regularly getting um, maybe two sermons a week in, in the Japanese language that is now going on the message hub where, you know, where there was, there was nothing there, and now the message is going there. And, and uh, we're just now supporting our missionary brother, Danny Del Mundo, to go into Japan there and hold some services. So, you know, it's going to be some tremendous times that they're looking forward to. And, and we've, uh, we've helped to, to get those uh, tickets and, and uh, finance some of that because, you know, right now it takes three shots to go into J- Japan and, uh, you know, other stringent re- regulations. So they're just now barely opening up. You've got to have a shot and a booster and a booster. And, um, you know, right now, I don't even feel like being boostered. And so, you know, uh, you know if you can't go, you send someone. And so we have confidence in Brother Danny Del Mundo from the Philippines to go over there and to share the word of God. And they also listen in many times to the services of God bless them too. Now, so again, you know, we were speaking about being an oak tree. I just wanted you to just get a little glimpse, 
you know, just a little window into some of the lives there and the, and the situations and needs and, and the hearts that are being touched. Now, today I'm going to be speaking on a restored tree with restored fruits. And, um, the, as, uh, and some of this I'm going to reiterate and I'm going to expand and expound upon And uh, so don't feel like that I'm old and have Alzheimer's and forgot what I preached before uh, or didn't have time to study because I put a lot of effort into this. And um, so we, we daily just commit ourselves to the Lord and to the study of the word. And, and uh, those that know me know that I spend countless of hours into that because I, I want to be right. And I want you prepared to meet the Lord. And, the appearing of God in this last day, of course, we know will we'll be under the bride tree. Amen. Amen. And it's not a leafless tree, but it's a tree where the Holy Spirit is welcomed. Amen. Where saints run to meet him and bow to worship him. But to do this, we must have a restored tree under whose shade Jehovah comes to abide. Now, I'd like to just get a couple of more scriptures that we have read, but just to just place where we're at in the Bible. So Joel 1 and 4, that which the palmer worm hath left, hath the locust eaten. That which the locust has left, hath the canker worm eaten. That which the canker worm hath left, hath the caterpillar eaten. Then verse 25 of chapter 2, and I will restore to you. The years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that it dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. Then I would like to bring a couple of verses out of Psalms 80 and verse 8. Thou hast brought a vine out of Egypt. Thou hast cast out the heathen and planted it. Thou hast prepared a room before it and didst cause it to take deep root and it filled the land. Now, like I said, I, I didn't really finish my thought last Sunday of under the oak tree and, and uh, I'm going to go back over some points, clarify some things or make it more clear rather more than clarify because I didn't say anything wrong that I found. But the Israel was a vine that could never be fruitful until it was planted back into his promised land of inheritance. And until then, it would just produce uh, the naughty fruits and bitter fruits of slavery. Now, Brother Branham tells us in Gabriel's instruction to Daniel, he said, God never dealt with Israel till she came to her, her homeland. And hear me, thus saith the Lord, God will not deal with the church till she comes back to the homeland, the message of the hour, come back to the original. Get away from your Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian ideas, your Pentecostal assemblies, oneness, threeness, fiveness, whatever it is, Church of God, Nazarene, Pilgrim Holiness, Church of Christ, all Antichrist movement, and I realize this strikes the world all wrong, all of the devil. There's godly men in every one of them, godly people in every one of them movements. By the way, you were there. But you got pulled out of there by hearing a voice that said, come out of her, my people. There's godly men and every one of them, godly people and every one of them movements. But the organization in itself is not of God and God will never bless it. He never has done it. 
So you see, you know, there are many things that has, um, that kind of gets mixed with the message. Satan is a great hybrider. He always comes along and when the original comes, he comes along and tries to figure out a way to hybrid it by bringing in the creeds and ideas of other past movements and try to mix it and, and you know, cross pollinate and try to, you know, mix up the fruit. And so it's a Baptist creed to say that you receive the Holy Ghost when you believe the message. Uh, and it is, uh, it's the same as it is an Azusa Pentecostal creed to say you receive the Holy Ghost when you shout, dance, or speak in tongues. You see, all of that is incorrect. And you will never grow real Christ-like fruit in that kind of soil. You must be planted in the homeland. And the homeland is the word of God. Not many people are afraid of being identified. It seems like it's really taboo, and I understand why. But, you know, to be identified as an Azusa Pentecostal branch. So, you know, in, in opposition to that, they become a Baptist branch, which is a whole lot less scriptural and several church ages behind the Azusa vine. You know, we, but we want to be neither a Baptist branch or an Azusa branch uh, because those with that fruit will be cut off. Amen. And it'll be thrown into the fire of tribulation. We want to be the original genuine branch as a church as it was on the day of Pentecost. To receive of the blessings and the fullness of God for a rapture, we must be planted in the homeland of the open book and the fullness of the word that came by its opening. Now, in Gabriel's instructions to Daniel, Brother Branham tells again, God never blesses Israel till she gets out of her homeland. He'll never bless you as a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian, Catholic or Pilgrim, Holiness, Nazarene, Church of God, Pentecostal organization. He'll never bless you that way. Come back to the homeland, to the beginning, back to the Pentecostal experience like happened on the day of Pentecost when the power of the living God changed those thousands of people and set their hearts aflame with the fire of God that showed genuine, not impersonating signs, not made up telepathy, not some mockery. He goes on to say he wants us back to the truth, back to the spirit, back to the right life, back to the highway in Christ, back to truth. How can he bless us the way we go? He won't. He never blessed Israel till they came back to the promised land. And when they got back in the promised land, signs of wonders began to happen. Hallelujah. Again, he, he says in the 70th week, back to the message, brother, back to the, the original, back to Pentecost, back to the real blessing, back to the name of Jesus Christ, back to the baptism of the Holy Ghost, back to signs and wonders, back to Pentecost, away with organizations, back to the Holy Ghost. Amen. So these are things that he would, would, would become a theme of his and he would enterate and reenterate over and over again. Now, let us review Psalms 80 and verse 7 again. And I just want to look at some of this as we go along because I think it's, uh, as Brother Brandon preached from this on planting the vine and where to plant it, that he uses this scripture and he places us right here in these, in these verses. 
So I want you just to see it. It says, restore to us or turn again, O God, a host, God Almighty. Make your face to shine upon us that we may be saved. You transplanted a vine from from Egypt. You drove out the nations and you, you planted it. And then he said, you cleared the ground for it. It took root and it filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shades, mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. It shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all that passed by to pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravages and insects from the fields. That's the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, and the locust is is fed on it. And, and devours it. Return unto us, O God Almighty. Amen. Look down from the heavens and see what's over this vine. The root of your right hand. Now notice, right hand is power. So the hand of your power, uh, and he said, has planted. So your hand of power has planted the root. The son you raised up for yourself. Now the root was Christ. So God, through his power, raised up Christ, and and he is the son that God raised up. And God planted his tree, and he is determined to have a family, to have branches on his vine. He is the root, and he's going to have branches. And remember, it's not the root bearing the fruit, it's the branches bearing the fruit. So now he goes on to say, because of them being taken down to Babylon and, the, and the, because of their sins, your vine is cut down. It is burned with fire. You're, at your rebuke, to pee, your people perish. And uh, um, so like Israel, the church was cut down, hauled away to mystery Babylon. So I want you to just think, the same thing is happening now to Israel happens to the church. They were hauled down to Babylon, but the church has been hauled down to mystery Babylon. So you see her in the, in the book of Revelation saying, and he is saying, come out of her, my people. It's the call to come back to the homeland. Now, so he says again, but because uh, he says, I will restore. And here he tells us how he's going to do it. Now, he has talked about restoration in all of these verses, but now he's going to tell how he's going to do it. Verse 17, let your hand, your power, rest upon the man of at your right hand, the son of man that you have raised up for yourself. So the son of man is the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the prophet of the hour that anointed the seventh angel to prophesy, and the same Holy Spirit makes us prophesy again. So God's power would be upon the prophet. Notice it would be the power of God upon the prophet. And the prophet is a prophetic anointing. He himself is not a prophet. He's a son of man, revealing the son of man. So now notice it's God's power now upon the prophet and the church who is a prophetical class of people. Now for this restoration, it's going to have to be more than a reformation. It will take a prophetic anointing. The Son of Man, Christ, would manifest itself or himself as a prophetic anointing, and that's a particular anointing. 
want you to, I want you to get it because it is an anointing. When you look at the Elijah ministry, that's the anointing of Christ upon a ministry. When you see again an Elisha group that follows Elijah, come on, that is the ministry of Christ continuing on. Again, when you look at Revelation 10, uh, Revelation 10, 1, the mighty angel, that is an anointing coming down. That is not, that is not the physical return of Christ. It is his anointing coming down to produce a, a, a work of restoration in the last days. So again, I want, to sh- I want to just give you a few snippets. Now, I'm going to use a lot of snippets as it was because I can't read all the quotes in, in their context, but I'm going to just pull out, uh, you know, just a few little sentences here and there, and I'll let you know. But this is one of them. We are expecting that great anointing upon the church that will turn the hearts back to the original doctrine of the fathers back to real genuine Pentecost. Again, he says, because we find in the scripture in Malachi 4 that there is to be an anointing come down and to restore that original faith and to bring the faith of the people back to the original Pentecost, the faith of the fathers. Again, he says, to restore what? The faith of the people back to the original fathers, the Pentecostal doctrine, the original fathers, and he will restore the people back to the fathers. So understand, the anointing of Christ would be called the spirit of Elijah. That was the spirit of Christ upon Elijah, amen, upon Elisha, upon John the Baptist, amen, upon William Branham, Brother Branham, amen, upon the Elijah to the Jews. It wouldn't be a reincarnation of a man nor his spirit, but the spirit of the Lord that was identified with Elijah as he turned the hearts of the children back, or the hearts of Israel back to the faith in Jehovah again. Now, this Elijah would have a job of restoration. Remember, it would be done through through the man, uh, thy right hand upon a man, your hand of power upon a man. He would be a son of man. He would be, we call him in this scripture, the son of man, but this son of man is Christ. So just to make sure you understand, it's a son of man. But again, it is the manifestation of the spirit of Christ for our day. Now, and so you see, the Elijah would have a job of restoration like the original Elijah. So turn with me to 1 Kings 18. Let's look at verse 30. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. And the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of, uh, of the sons of Jacob upon, upon, uh, unto whom the word the Lord came saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with stones he built, the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. Now, I want you just to look back at verse uh, 30 and I want you to see he prepared or he repaired the altar. He did not build a new altar. He did not bring a new doctrine. 
doctrine. Now, the message we have received is not something new. It is the doctrine of the apostles and prophets. It is what Paul preached. Now, but Brother Tim, we have more than what old Paul preached. No, we don't. This is a restoration back to the faith of the fathers. We do not have a message different from Paul. That would place us under a curse. See, Galatians 1 and 8 says, Though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have received, uh, preached unto you, let him be a curse, anathema. Amen. So, as we said before, now here comes a double curse. Galatians 1 9 now. The double curse. As we said before, say, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. So, there is a double curse upon people who, who uh, preach something different than what Paul preached. Now, so there can be no additions or any subtractions to the Bible. Amen. Amen. Revelation 20, 22, 18, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things, God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of this book of prophecy, Say Christ isn't the same. Say days of miracles are past. Say, you know, we don't get the Holy Ghost like they did on the day of Pentecost. All of these things, God shall take his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. Whew. My, it's a, it is an absolute curse to preach anything different than what Paul preached. Come on. Now, granted, there were symbols in the book of Revelation, and yet it wasn't understood until this day what those symbols were. So we do understand things that Paul didn't understand. One thing, I say he didn't understand, he didn't even know about it because the book of Revelation would be written after he was gone. So it would be the last book because it would be added into to, as a, the, the end of the Bible because it would be for our day. So we do understand things that Paul didn't like, the mystery of the seven stars. You know, the meaning of the seven cities, the seven golden candlesticks. You see, Paul didn't know that would be seven church ages. I mean, he fully expected the Lord to come in his age and his time. He said, saying, we which are alive and remain. Amen. The mystery of the seven thunders, which are the mysteries contained in the seven seals. And when they were open, it revealed the symbols of each, of each seal. Right? But this never, I want you to get something clear. This did not give us new doctrine. We did not receive a different gospel. Amen. Paul, amen. Paul did not, what Paul preached was the pure word of God, but man had lost it. That's why it got sealed up. And 
that's why we needed it open because the opening was to restore the abstract to the title deed that we had lost because we went down to Babylon. I'm talking about we down through the dark ages. Are you with me? Now, so Paul, you see, Paul had a gospel. I'm going to go through this. And some of this may be elementary, but I want to I pound it in and make sure you really know what we believe because we do not believe some off-the-wall teachings that just came from the mind of a Kentucky preacher. We, we, it was not his intellectual property. It was um, the mysteries of God revealed by an angel because of an anointing that was on him of Elijah the prophet to bring a restoration and to give the old stones of truth that had been lost and neglected and repair the altar. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, so you see, Brother Branham taught water baptism as Paul taught it. He he taught the Holy Ghost as an experience, just the way Paul taught it. Paul came to Ephesus and he found believers, people who had believed and asked if they, if they had yet experienced the Holy Ghost since they had believed. And Paul insisted, you must have an experience after believing. Not upon believing that you get the Holy Ghost, but after you believe you were sealed with the Holy Ghost. This Holy Spirit of promise. Now, so again, all of these things, Paul preached them. In fact, when Brother Brown goes beyond the curtain of time, what was that that rejoiced his heart? They told him there, you have preached what Paul preached. Oh, you say, well, Brother Tim, he got that in 1960. That's when he, he went there. No, he was there. And, you know, that's when he entered in in 1965. One breath away, he's gathered with all of these people. Amen. Because he said he was so, he was showed this. It was not a vision. It was a translation. He was caught up into the eternals and he saw what it would be when he, when he was gathered with his people in plain language when he died. And when he would died, he was gathered with all of them. And they said, you preach what Paul preached. He declared it. I preached what Paul preached. And they said, we know that. And we're resting on that. I'll tell you, if that's their rest here, that's got to be our rest here. Hallelujah. Now, let me me just get clear here. Let's talk about Paul and his gospel because Paul said men would be judged by his gospel. In Romans 2.16, he said, In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Amen. Paul began to take this and he said, It is my gospel. You know why? He was recognizing himself as a messenger. The apostle to the Gentiles, which is the apostle to all the church ages. So he said, he said his gospel was a, he said his gospel was a revelation of the mystery that had been hid from the foundation of the world. 
Amen. And they were revealed by his gospel. So turn to me with Romans 16, 25. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but is now made manifest by the scriptures of the prophets. Amen. Praise the Lord. So you see here again, this is what he said. It's according to my gospel. My gospel has imparted to you mysteries. Because you see, previous to this, they didn't even know the Gentiles would be saved. They had no idea, you know, in Judaism that there would ever be a bride out of the Gentiles. Amen. They, they didn't understand. You see, it was a mystery that was hidden. Amen, that God would have a bride out of the Gentiles for his name's sake. Again, in Romans 15, 19, through many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, and so that from Jerusalem and round about uh, Lyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So he said, I have fully preached it. Whether it was serpent seed or predestination or eternal security or, or whether it was well, baptism in Jesus' name or whatever it was, one God. Come on, somebody. Amen. Paul said, I have fully preached it. Now, and he said, I, I did. You know, it was preached through mighty signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit of God, which is the way the gospel must be preached today. Because if we preach what Paul preached, it's going to have mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit. Now, Jesus told us, he told us something very, very important in Matthew 24, 14. And he says that the gospel would be preached in all the world so that the end could come. No, so again, this, this, is, this is very clear. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness Unto all nations, then shall the end come. So, you know, that's, that's why it's important that the bride has a voice. Yes. Amen. 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 Because the voice of God, I'm just quoting your prophet, is in the bride. Amen. Amen. Now, so he, so he said, so again, Paul, Jesus said, this gospel, in order for the end to come, it's got to be preached in all the world. Now, Brother Brandon was here telling us, you know, when he would quote this, he said, it ain't went there yet. And I want to say to you, it could not go until it was restored. So you see, the Baptist cannot take it to the world. The Methodist cannot take it to the world. The Bible societies can't take it to the world. Somebody help me preach now. Amen. There is only one voice of the Spirit, and that is the Word of God that must go into all the nations so the end can come. We have the gospel according to the Baptists and the Methodists and the Pentecostal, but the gospel of the kingdom whose mysteries Paul revealed must be preached unto all the world for a witness, then shall the end come. And we must use every means to do it. Amen. 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 Going, preaching, 
evangelizing, missionary, and internet every way we can, any way we can. It's got to go. This is an hour that travel must be is greatly increased. Where our voice is right now in an instant second is across the world. Our picture, our voice, our message. Are you with me? What is it? It's because the gospel must be preached and all. And don't get me wrong. We are not the only one. We're not the only ministry. It's a bride ministry. This is not about us. I'm just trying to show you our little part. That's all. Amen. Now, can you imagine? Can you imagine forbidding Paul to use a ship as a vehicle to preach the gospel? Oh, although there was evil cargo on the ship, all those evil slave trading was going on the ships, and Paul used the ships. I said, Brother Tim, there's, uh, there's uh, some really bad stuff on the internet. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, that's a good point. Don't look at it. Amen. Be selective. Amen. You don't have to listen to all that other stuff. But the gospel's got to go. Are you with me? Now, Elijah, in our reading here, did not add stones. He laid the original stones back into place. He repaired the altar of the Lord. He, he didn't go out there and, and uncover uh, some platelets that are found down there like, like um, John Smith did to start the Mormons. He didn't do that. He didn't go to seminary where they uncovered what really Paul preached. What, how did it happen? By the same angel by the same spirit of Christ that revealed it to Paul, revealed it to Brother Branham so that we could have assured he had the message that Paul preached. Now here are some snippets of what Elijah is to do. It's going to go back to its original again, back to the real Holy Ghost, back to the gospel message, back to Acts 2 again, back to the formula, back to where it began at. Again, it will have the same doctrine. It will have the same power. It will show the same sign because it's the same kind of church that they had at the beginning. Again, Elijah will go back to the original Pentecostal Ephesus church and bring the same message to the people with the signs of the Messiah. Again, he will send and that Elijah will shake the people right straight back to the original Pentecostal doctrine. Again, it'll be a restoration to send that lukewarm Laodicean church back to that original faith back yonder. Yes, sir, he will be anointed to do so. Second seal, he would restore and bring back the children to the faith of their fathers, the original apostolic Pentecostal faith, which he promised to be restored. Third seal, the Bible said that this messenger of the last day would restore them back to the original faith again, back to the faith of the fathers. But do you think they would receive it? No, sir. Last days, he would restore the original word again, as he said in Malachi 4. Again, he said, we are promised in Malachi 4 by the same system, and that same system is a prophet. He always did that he would be restored, that we would be restored back to the original. Somebody say original. I hope you're catching something here. Everything's original. It's back. 
It's not, into, it's not somewhere we ain't never been. It ain't something that ain't never been preached. It's back to the original vine, to the original root. Because we got to get back to the original word for a, for a branch to come out of it to bear the original fruit again. So he said, oh my, back to the original seed, back to the seed like it was began on the day of Pentecost, back to the same doctrine, word by word, power by power, spirit, by the same thing, just exactly like it was back in the beginning through signs and wonders of the living presence of Jesus Christ. Again, Malachi 4 said we'd be brought back to the original faith like it was on the day of Pentecost, the faith of the fathers. Malachi 4 said he would do this and manifest his word to turn back the the hearts of the children back to the fathers again, back to the original Pentecostal word, the real Bible word. Again, we're expecting the great anointing upon the church that had turned the hearts of the children back to the original doctrine of the fathers, back to real genuine Pentecost. What? She is to be the same bride, the same kind, built of the same kind of material that she was in the first place. Now read Malachi 4 and see if we're not supposed to have a message in the last days that will turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers, back to the original Pentecostal message, word by word, Come on, somebody. Word by word. Original, 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 original. Never something new. That's not something different. Not something they didn't have. But what? Original, original, original. Word by word. Original doctrine. Original power. Original spirit. Everything's original. It must go back to the root. Because out of the root must come a branch. It ain't going to do no good to get another branch, a new branch out of the Baptist, the Methodist, and these grafted branches. The only way you're going to have a bride that matches him is have a branch out of the original root. Look, brother, go back to Pentecost. Let's get back to the original, back to the beginning, get back to where we left it. Amen. Hear me. I speak it in the name of the Lord, back to the beginning. I will bring her back to the original doctrine. I'll bring her back to the original word. So now how could he speak as a prophet in the name of the Lord and somehow come down to the end of his ministry and speak of different results? Now, I just want to, I want to just say, as I, as I went, as I always say, I, 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 I study something out and I look at every aspect of it. I have 84 pages that I can't afford to read to you. 84 pages of this, of these kind of things that I just pulled a few snippets from. Now, you see, And I just want to go from the earliest sermon, from the earliest recorded, one of the earliest recorded sermons of Brother Branham in 1948, March the 4th, the angel of God, he says, I know the next thing to happen is the restoration of the gifts to the church. 
And it's the hardest thing I've had to do in this pioneering work is to do to see the people. God cannot give the gifts back to the church as long as this church is divided. We've got to get the church together first for the gifts can come. But if all the full gospel people would come together in one heart and one accord. Now, we're, we're kind of a scattered group and a thin group this morning. But I, I just want to look just for a minute, and I, I want to just see where you come from. How many Baptists, former Baptists are here? Oh, got a good representation. I better be careful when I talk about Baptists. How many Methodists, former Methodists are here? Oh, go, go ahead, raise your hand up, Brother L. <laughs> Did you go with him too, Sister L? <laughs> I mean, how, many, how many Catholics are here? One, two. There's at least two, three. There's another one over there. Yeah. So, you know, we, we got a Pentecostal. How many Pentecostals? Oh, yeah, we got Pentecostals here. So, you see, we got... All of them. Now, what has happened? All of these have come together. Hallelujah. In one mind, one accord to one message. Now, you might still be buying a Chevrolet and me a Ford. You know, that's not what we're talking about. One mind and one accord is not a Honda. Are you with me? But what we're talking about, we have one vision, we have one goal, we have one thing in mind, that's to be the bride of Christ, to see him manifest in every man of his power, and it's that kind of group that he can reveal himself. So, so he says, but if all the full gospel people would come together with one heart, one, one accord, there would be a revival that would shake the whole world. And every spiritual gift would be in the church within an hour's time after it took place. Signs and wonders that was done by the apostles would be a minor thing to what would happen if we just get the church together. It's got to happen. It will happen. It may be after I've passed off the scene, but I want to put my word in this that you would know that, this, that my voice is this. Oh, Christian people, bind yourself together with one heart, one accord, for God can no more send the gifts to the church while the church is separated than he can send the Holy Holy Ghost unless we're in one accord and that's right for he comes by the Holy Ghost believe it again 1953 very early sermon that is recorded it's my humble belief we're living near the end time or may I make it a little more personal saying we're living in the end time I believe it's time for the restoration of the church that God promised would send in the last day and I believe that this day when the word is world where the word has been preached so much and the day is getting so dark and evil till according to God's word, he was to restore all the caterpillar had eaten, the pommel worm had eaten, will be restored back again. And this is the day of restoration of the spiritual gifts given unto the church, a Pentecostal branch filled with the Holy Ghost, signs and wonders of the resurrection, great things taking place. They that know their God in the last days shall do exploits. Well, Brother Tim, but that was before the seals, okay? We'll take these, uh, you know, in perfect faith uh, a few months after the seals. He said, we are trying to get the church into the place where we can really see apostolic times moving among us. Now I hear preachers saying, oh, we don't want that kind of atmosphere. Well, I'm sorry, we do. We do. Amen. Amen. We do. Amen. That's 
what we all hunger. So, well, we're not hunger for that, Brother Tim. We're hungry for the character of Christ. Well, what do you think the character of Christ is? Amen. It's just laying at the door. We see it. And hadn't we? Healings, miracles, signs, wonders, come on. Workings of the Holy Spirit, prophetic gifts, come on. Things that God is doing, what? And, and, we, and we see it, but we want to see more of it. We want it to just such a flow that it would be a help to us and to us flow out to others. Hallelujah. That's why I'm glad to hear somebody down in South Africa rejoicing and say, it's flowed over to me. It's flowed over to our church. Amen. And you weren't making a following or a personality call. That wasn't what it was about. We got in love with Jesus. It turned our lives around. It filled us with the Holy Ghost. It put a revival on the inside of us. Let's look at Brother Branham's expectations. And, and he, he would, uh, right down to the last year of his ministry, I'm going to just pick up about a three of them out of his last year. Now, I, I'm doing this um, many, it wasn't that many years ago, five, ten years ago maybe, I read a book called Killing Lincoln. And, and it was about, yeah, it was just kind of a historical book about the last days of Lincoln. On this day, you know, and it took about the last two weeks of his life or something like that. And, you know, Lincoln did this and this and this. And then, the, the, you know, here this war was going on and this and this and this happened. And then, you know, all the way down, every, every day it was taken, um, you know, the last days of Lincoln and trying to retrace the steps of, um, of that um, patriot. patriot that was here in America. And so, you know, just before he died, the man who had 10 days to live. Now, I'm just going to say it this way. It really touched my heart because I began to think about the seventh angel. And, you know, here he comes down the last life, last years of his life, and I said, well, what were the last things that God wanted to impart through his seventh angel? What were the last things that he would tell us before God took his Elijah messenger home? The seventh angel to the last church ages, you know, the angel of the church of Laodicea write. He didn't write it to you and me. He wrote it to the angel, the messenger who brought it to you. Amen. Now, so he, again, so I, I'm looking now, taking just a few of, of the, when, the, when this messenger would have his last few sermons to preach, the last year of his life, does God change his mind? He says, now, may I say this? As he talked about the church that left him at Pentecost, like Mary and Joseph left Jesus and sought him three days, and he said, may I say this? They thought he was alone. But they found out in the crisis, he wasn't. See, he wasn't with them. Now, we find out that in the time that when this great thing has been brought up, we find out that we're missing something in our churches. And that's the power of Christ. This ain't, this ain't just being said now about Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian. This actually is an indictment against many message churches. 
And he, and he said, I don't want to criticize, and neither do I want to criticize. That's why I'm saying, get in one accord. Get in, get in step. I'm not counting anybody out. I'm not saying it's us and nobody else. I'm not saying, well, if you're not preaching what I'm preaching, you're not going to make it. I'm saying, get in step. Get in line. Get there. Walk in step to the tune of the gospel. We're missing Christ among our Pentecostal people, our brothers, our sisters. There's something wrong. The old-fashioned prayer meetings they used to have all day and night, they don't have them no more. Our women used to wear long hair. They don't do it anymore. And it would be a disgrace for a woman to use paint back in the early days and act the way women do. Something went wrong. Nothing's wrong with Christ. See, but something went wrong. Something is somewhere. The pulpit used to, wouldn't have permitted such a thing as that, but it does now. See, the crisis is on, and we're missing something. We're missing power that we ought to have, where the big machine ought to be running up and the great signs and wonders. Well, this building ought to be so full of the power of God. Now, till the sinner couldn't stay in here, the Holy Spirit condemned it right quickly like that, like Ananias and Sapphira, we're missing something. Again, the last year, in the last year as he concludes his message to the church, and here's one of his last sermons to his home church in Jeffersonville. And he said, when she as Eve had the very filling of the word in her hands, she could have took God's word, but what did she do? Instead of tarrying for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, let science prove to her that the Holy Ghost was only for the disciples. Instead of keeping divine healing going, I want you to understand, this is our responsibility to keep divine healing going, to keep a faith in the church. Because if you can't believe for divine healing, if we can't get the church to even believe that, how are you going to have faith for a rapture? Instead of keeping divine healing going where she ought to be now raising the dead and doing great miracles, she has left Satan under his leadership, a religious man, take the word of God and try to say it was for another age, and she's believed it. When the Bible said, the things that I do shall you do also. And message preachers rose up and said, that was only for Brother Branham. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And we're still creatures. These signs shall follow them that believe. And she denies every bit of it. She denies all the supernatural. She swapped it for an intellectual conception of the Bible. These are the last things the Holy Spirit's imparting. Amen. We're priests and holy fathers so called. We're bishops and archbishops. We're, we're a district presbyter, general overseer, and so forth, has put their own interpretation to it. And God has let them sit there as sit there dead as 12 o'clock. Now then, just before he leaves, he preaches about five sermons there that he doesn't preach in Jeffersonville. He preaches. One of them is the rapture. Another, before the rapture, is things that are to be. Another in his modern events made clear by prophecy. Leadership. And he ends the ministry, the ministry of Christ through that prophetic ministry would end just like Jesus did with communion. Leadership, one saved, one lost. Just like the thieves on the cross. Modern events made clear by prophecy. 
things that are to be. John, John chapter 14 or John chapter 15, whichever one it is, he said, where, where he says, um, you, you know, he, say, he, he makes it clear that, that he's coming again. We're not talking about Brother Branham coming again. Jesus was talking about if I go away, you know, I, I must go away. And he began to, began to speak on those things, you know, in my father's house are many mansions. In fact, before he would leave in 1965, he would tell us what those mansions were. There were more than uh, something with gold doorknobs and, and, and crystal windows and painted things, uh, you know, man-made stuff. Come on. Amen. More than just gold. Gold is just dust. Dirt on the street, pavement, on the streets of glory. The most precious thing we here have here is only pavement there. Amen. So you see, Jesus would tell us things that are to be. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go away to prepare a place. And Brother Branham would come right down to things that are to be. In other words, things we can't expect. Things that are to be, things we can't expect. And I believe that's the same thing we live today. God bearing record of his word by vindicating what he said he would do. Now, we know that this is the day of salvation where God is calling men from the world to, from a life of sin into a life of service. That kicks out God's off his mercy seat, doesn't it? And in the day that God has poured out his spirit from on high, great signs and wonders are to accompany the ministry of this day. This is when the former and latter rain are falling together. And we know that there is supposed to be great signs and wonders, which in many denominations this is turned down things that are to be. Now, let's go to the last recorded sermon. Here he comes, communion, foot washing. The ministry, listen, that was the ministry of Christ we saw repeated. We did. Amen. It wasn't Jesus, but it was his ministry now with the same sign, proving it's the word that discerns the thoughts and insights of the heart, the Messiah sign, and in Christ the word being present. And here he comes right down to the last sermon, communion. And it's not to the church. It's not to the world. It's to a little group of followers, believers of his message. in an old Jewish synagogue. That's where, that's where Tucson Tabernacle was. And Brother Branham would speak to those who believed his message. Communion. Last sermon. You know the hour will soon arise when right among us will be the Holy Spirit will speak out like it did in Ananias Sapphira. Remember, that hour is arriving, see? Now, you just remember that, that God, and this just thrills my heart, God is going to dwell among his people. That's what he wants to do now. So all the way through from the beginning to the end, it was proclaimed that the same bride as it was in the original, will be once again in the end. 
We often say Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever is the theme of the message. But really, it's because God said, I will restore. So restoration was his theme because without restoration, Jesus Christ couldn't be the same. Now, so again, let's go back to verse 33 of chapter 18 of verse Kings. And let's just look at this. So he put the wood in order. Is everybody with me? First Kings 18.33. He put the wood in order. The wood of the word placed correctly and cut the bullock in pieces, the sacrifice, the atonement, and his work as intercessor properly placed. Amen. Listen, it wasn't an altar without a sacrifice. It was not an altar without an accessory. Come on, somebody. That's a lie of the devil that tries to take the intercessor from the bride of Christ. He is our intercessor. Oh, Brother Jim, how could he be in for intercessor? He's a bridegroom. You know, and and he's not, you know, he's not, he's not the the mediator. He's the bridegroom. And the mediator and the bridegroom were all the same one. It was just God changing his mask. He mediated to open the seals. was meditorial work to take the book, clear the deed. Meditorial work. The rapture is meditorial work. Amen. Where God intercedes on our behalf and raptures a church changing her body. Amen. That's his work as high priest preparing a bride for his image. Watch now. The word, the word properly placed, cut the bullock in pieces, the sacrifice, the atonement, his work as intercessor, properly placed. Laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the sacrifice and on, on the wood and do it a second time. And they did it the second time. Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. Three times four equals 12, spirit for every tribe. Amen. If it was our day, it would be seven. The seven spirits of God for seven ages. But this was Israel in their time, and they they were represented by 12. We're represented by seven. Now, what so he said, and the water ran around the altar, and he filled the trench thereof with water, and it came to pass that the offering of the evening sacrifice, look when it all happens, at the evening sacrifice, in the evening time it shall be light. In the last day, amen, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in heaven and I am thy servant and I have done all these things by thy word. Amen. So what was Elijah ministry to do to introduce us back to Jehovah? Away from Trinity, come on back to one God again. Not two lords, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Amen. What did he say? Now, he says, I have done all of this by vision. I have done all these things as thy word by vision. I placed, I found the stones. Yes. Hallelujah. I found 
the mystery truths. What Paul said about the original sin. What Paul taught about baptism in Jesus' name. What Paul, Paul taught about the, the Godhead. What Paul taught about eternal security. I found every one of these truths by vision. And I got the dirt off of these neglected truths. And I've repaired the altar. The angel, I'm going to say something here. The angel that discerned the hearts, that restored health to the sick, restored healing, hearing to the deaf, restored sight to the blind, the same angel, the same angel helped Brother Branham find, showed him where to find in place the neglected stones of baptism, of oneness, of original sin, predestination, security of the believer, and put all of these mystery truths in order so we could come back to true worship. So that there could be a people in the last days that worship God in spirit and in truth. Verse 37, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast what? Turn their hearts. Turn their hearts where? Back again. And then the fire God fell and consumed the burnt, sacrificed the wood, the stones, the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trees. The pillar of fire was his vindication. You see, Roberts claimed the gift of healing. That was in his right hand. Jack Cole had blind and reckless faith. A.A. Allen exhibited a gift of faith. But only Brother Branham was accompanied by an angel and vindicated by a pillar of fire. Because why? He was Elijah. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is the God. And when we saw it, we said, this is the Lord, and he is the word. And this is why Malachi 4 says that when the spirit upon Elijah, that was upon Elijah, comes in the last day, that it will turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the fathers. So let us understand his job and purpose. I know sometimes you think these things are elementary, but... Seems like we, somebody moves the landmarks. And I'm coming back and pointing out, these are the landmarks. Amen. So Malachi 4 was to turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. So let's, let's understand this. I, I want to get something clear. I want to make sure nobody misunderstands me. I am not talking about restoring the Azusa Street Revival, nor what they had there. They were not, and let me say it again, they were not a Book of Acts church. Here's a point I want to make clear. If Azusa was the restoration of Pentecost and the Book of Acts, then there would have been no need for an Elijah ministry to restore. It had already been done. Pentecost brought that back. No, Brother Branham, the prophet, the messenger, the Elijah, restored back. 
Azusa Street was just another grafted in vine, branch. So the original vine was Christ and the first branch was Pentecost. Now, let me just say this. I'm going to quote Brother Branham because, and, and, and let me just say it and then I'll quote it. If you don't see Pentecostal in the branch, it is a grafted vine. From the, Brother Branham said this, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, John 15, I believe, is that right? I'm the vine. Now, what did the vine put forth a branch? The first branch was the Pentecostal church, is that right? Then the second branch comes forth will be another Pentecostal church. Now, we don't see Pentecostal in all the churches, do we? No, well, what is it? It's a grafted vine. See, you can take an orange tree and graft almost any kind of citrus fruit. You can graft almost anything, grapefruit or whatever it is. What, what more? But it's the grafted. But if the original vine itself puts out a branch, it'll bring the same kind of fruit that was the first one brought. So what's going to happen now? Here we are in the end time. I told you last Sunday, God's looking for fruit. Not just any fruit. He wants his fruit. His fruit. He's looking for his fruit. Fruit that came from the original vine. So what's going to happen to the branches then that are not bringing, that are not bringing um, uh, the fruit of the original Pentecost? Now Jesus answers that question. He does. He tells you what's going to happen to branches that are not bringing the fruit of original Pentecost. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. You're cut off from me. If you don't bear fruit, you're going to be cut off. And if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. So this is what's going to happen if you don't bear the fruit. Amen. Amen. Now, in the Laodicean church age, as Brother Branham preached it in 1960, he said, now, so therefore you must remember Jesus stands at your door and remember God's promise here that he will in the last days because of what? Rejecting. Now, remember, that's what's happening right now. Christ is being rejected. Somebody help me preach. Rejected. Revelation 3, he's on outside of the door. The last place he's going to be rejected is going to be in message churches. Are you with me? I don't want it to be our church. Listen, what? Rejected. What caused Israel to be cut off the original tree? Because they rejected Paul's Pentecostal message. And do you believe this is the last church age? The Bible said so. And what are what and what say is going to happen to them? They're going to be cut off because of rejecting the Pentecostal message. And God will return again to the Jews. What? They're going to be cut off for what? Rejecting the Pentecostal message. Now, so this is what we're in danger of in this last day. Amen. When we're saying they're rejecting Christ, we're talking about rejecting the Pentecostal message. 
Now, when God created his church, he created a Pentecostal church. That was the original, a church filled with the Holy Ghost, men and women led by the Spirit of God. Man couldn't, couldn't leave that alone. He wanted to hybrid the church, so he bred in the world with it, theologies, doctrines, denomination. Oh, it sure makes a prettier church. My, oh, my, yes, my, how much different is that from the original church? Again, he would preach this. Right at the round of the same time of the church ages, he said, in condemnation by representation, his father, he says, Father, so is it now near the coming of the Lord Jesus again, just like the vine. If the vine puts forth a branch, and that branch was a Pentecostal branch filled with the Holy Ghost signs and wonders and fruits, follow the branch. If that vine ever puts another branch, it'll be the same kind of branch. Amen. So he said, we can take an orange tree, and this is still in his prayer, grow citrus fruit of different kinds, seven or eight. We can put lemons, and we'll grow right on, because citrus fruit, it'll grow grapefruit, many other things, tangerines and other citrus fruit. But if a tree brings forth its own branch, again, it'll be an orange, Lord. It'll be like the first one was. And we believe that, that, that there is to be a church in these last days that will receive both the former and latter rain. He's still saying that right. right at the end of his ministry. It'll be scattered throughout the world in this Laodicean age. It'll be a church that is called back to the original faith in God. It'll be a church that'll have Jesus Christ walking in it manifest himself, the shout of the king will be in it. Hallelujah. Now let me show you a few more snippets from different sermons. After a while, it's going back to its original again, back to the real Holy Ghost, back to the gospel message, back to Acts 2 again, back to the formula, back to where it began at. Again, we've got to get back to a Pentecostal experience again. We're not talking about Azusa Street. But when he comes this time, he will turn the hearts of the church back to the Pentecostal fathers. Again, what we need is back to the Pentecostal message, back to the Holy Ghost. That is true. Again, come back to the homeland, to the beginning, back to the Pentecostal experience like that happened on the day of Pentecost uh, when the power of the living God changed thousands of people and set their hearts all with a, on fire with the fire of God that showed genuine, not impersonated gifts. Again, the hearts of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers, the original message. Restore the faith of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers again, back to the original faith. I believe it's the evening lights. And again, he will restore the faith of the children back to the Pentecostal fathers, away from their creeds and dogmas. It has got to come, and it will come in the name of the Lord. It will come. Hallelujah. It is a fact that the prophet for the last days must be bringing a message from God that will forerun the second coming of the Lord. For by his message will the hearts of the children be turned back to the Pentecostal fathers. And with the restoration of the word will come the restoration of power. Amen. So you see, again, this, this is where we are. This is, this is the promise that is given yeah, and, and Brother Branham said, we need as minister to preach the gospel and bring the church back to Pentecost again, bring it back to the eagle experience. That's what the church needs. You don't want to be chickens. You're eagles. You've got to take eagle food. 
And that's bringing the church back to Pentecost again. This is why Elijah the prophet comes. Again, Laodicean church age and the hearts of the children of the fathers. And when this great Elijah comes in the end of this age, he'll be taking the message of Pentecost to turn the children to the faith of the fathers because he'll be rebuking them because they didn't keep the same faith that was back there at the beginning. So turn the hearts back. Turn back with me to Psalms 80 and verse 18. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we will call on thy name. We will call on your name. Now, not the name of Baptist, Methodist, Assembly of God, UPC. Those are grafted branches. Not a revival of our, a grafted vine of Perusia or Coleman's Thunders or Two Souls. Those are grafted vines or branches into the message. And I just want to say, that's not the name of our bridegroom tree. He said, we will call on your name. You see, salvation is not in those other names. Yet they may think they're saved by the name of Baptist or Methodist, but those are blasphemous names because to be called by any other name than our bridegroom is a sign of a lewd and adulterous woman, a whore. So there's going to be a people now that will call, that will be called by his name and that will call upon his name. Verse 19, restore or turn again, O Lord, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. Oh my, look at now. These are powerful words. You see, the last day anointing, the pouring out of God's spirit is shown over in Revelation 10, 1 as the face of the sun, which is saying the word returning in its fullness. That's what he said. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud, rainbow on his head. His face was as it were the sun. This is exactly Psalms 80, 19. Restore us, O Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us so we can be saved, so there can be a rapture. My goodness, church, we got to be saved out of this Sodom world. We can't stay here. The whole world's going to burn. Come on, church. Amen. There's got to be a rapture in this day. And to do it, we've got to have the full word shining in his sun. Amen. Shining as the sun in his full strength and his full power. Not no more partial message. The light of his face shines, bringing us the word with his full power. And just as every substance of life lives on earth by the energy from the sun, even so the bride of Christ lives by the energy from the word. He was clothed with a cloud, but there was no cloud over his face. It was the full word shining in its strength and full power. But I just want to say to you, Boy, you get to thinking, this is something new. 
It is not something new. It is the same S-O-N that shone in the morning. It's the same S-O-N shining in the evening time. So after a cloudy and dismal day through the dark ages, it shall be light in the evening time. Hallelujah. And the path to glory you will surely find. Hallelujah. That is God's word to us. In the evening time, it shall be light. Hallelujah. Not a different sun, not a different light, not a different doctrine, not a different truth. The original sun with the clouds taken off of it and seeing him in his full glory. Hallelujah. In the sevenfold glory of his person, the, the, the unveiling of God, the full God made manifest the full word coming again to make a bride in the end time to shine upon the last branch. So she'll bring forth fruits, evening time fruits. Because in the cloudy day, he couldn't bring the fruits. But here in the evening time, the fruits come back on the vine. I will restore. Voice of the sign, he said, it shall be light in the evening time. There will be a sun rise in the evening time. Don't miss it, friends. Don't miss it. Now, the same sun would give the same light. The same S-U-N gives the same S-U-N light. The same S-O-N gives the same S-O-N light. Get it again. Full sun. Fullness of the word. Fullness of its power. All full of its energy. Everything in it. Nothing missing. There's no shadow over healing. It It ain't the season for miracles. That's a bunch of baloney. Amen. It is the season. It's the light, the full light, full word. It ain't the time for gifts. It, it, that's a bunch of nonsense. It's the full light. It's the full word. It ain't the time for prayer line. That's nonsense. It's the full word. It's the full light. It ain't the time for, for people to fall out in the spirit. They did all down through the Bible. And yes, they did it in Brother Brandon's ministry. But we don't want that today. That's because you're rejecting Christ. Amen. Now, he said in verse 25 of uh, Joel now, and I will restore to Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the years. Amen. Everything that was lost. All the lost crops of the past. What they should have had in Luther's day and Wesley's day, and but you see, hey, you know, but now it's going to be a different time. The, 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 the fats shall overflow with oil and the floor will overflow with wheat. I'm going to restore everything. Amen. There will be, there will be a bride that's a holy bride because I'm restoring holiness. There will be a word bride because I'm restoring the word. There will be a gifted bride because I have gifted her. Everything that is in the word is hers. The full word, the full book, the open book, nothing missing. The light all the way from Genesis to Revelation. I will restore. So as Israel 
was a fruitful vine. So has, so, uh, and so was, so is spiritual Israel. The church is to be the spiritual vine. Now, Brother Branham tells us in his sermon, Palmworm, Locust, and Caterpillar, and he preached numerous sermons on I Will Restore, you know, we're the, 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 the vine and we're the planet, um, Palmworm, Locust, Caterpillar, all these, all these different ones, the restoration of the bride tree. This was his theme. God's going to use Elijah to restore. It ain't never been restored yet. Azusa didn't restore it. Luther didn't restore it. Wesley didn't restore it. It's going to be restored by the same system. Denominational systems can't do it. So God's system of sending a prophet is how I'm going to do it. Before we can have, ever have a building of the church of God, we'll have to restore back all those things that these insects have eaten out of it. We'll have to go back and find out what these insects eat. He is the vine, we're the branches. And before we can ever find out or the church can stand in its formal and, and original power, we'll have to go back and find out what the insects ate. And the church will have to be restored back to that or it will never stand in its power and glory of its first standing. So if we're going to restore, then what kind of vine was it originally? The original church was rooted in Christ and the first branch was a book of Acts church. So why aren't the other branches in the Christian church producing another book of Acts? It's because like looking at the orange tree and there isn't any oranges, but rather grapefruit, lemons, and tangerines and all different kinds of flavors, but not any oranges. And today we got varieties of Christians who are supposed to be attached to the root Christ, but they're nothing like the original root. So Brother Branham said in the Patmos vision, that's the way the church is. They have split the vine and grafted in Presbyterian, Methodist, and Baptist, and so forth. It's barren Baptist fruit, Presbyterian fruit, Methodist fruit. But if that tree ever brings forth another vine, it'll bring the same kind of vine it was brought on the day of Pentecost, the original vine. It'll speak in tongues and have the power and the signs of the resurrected Christ in it because it's thriving in the natural resource that it was planted in. Actually, it's not planted. It is born in it. Praise the Lord. So didn't think of that one right then. These other are grafted in it, and they graft them into the tree so they bear their own kind of fruit. They can't take this. They don't believe in that because they never knew nothing about it. But if they're born in that same life that came out of that tree, there's only one thing that they can bear, and it's the life of the original stem. Hallelujah. So what, the, what in the world happened with when these insects come down and eat the tree? I'm trying to bring this to a close. I got just a few more minutes. But hold your thought just, just a moment. How come, how come the, the, the bark, the original bark is missing off, the tr- off of the tree? Insects. Amen. You see, he began, the first thing he did was begin to take the covering the religion away. By the way, any religion without emotion is dead. You need to bury it. I'm quoting your prophet. Amen. It's got to have the spirit running up and down through it. Come on. 
Amen. So he began to take his, his covering, his doctrine. Religion is a doctrine that covers anything. That's the reason our religion is by the blood. It's the blood. The blood must be born. The blood is the spirit. The bride is the blood by the spirit. Are you with me? So true doctrine is not a dead letter flowing through the word of truth is the life of Christ, the spirit, and it pushes Christ from the roots to the branches producing the leaves and the fruit. And that's why that doctrine that is not carrying the spirit, somebody help me, producing signs and wonders and miracles and healing, a holy life, a righteous character, produces a dead snag for buzzards to roost on. Mm-hmm. Once the bark is stripped, and that's what happened. These insects, these demons, they're called horse riders in the book of Revelation, the insects in the book of Joel. But anyway, are you with me now? It comes there and it strips away the bark. And you know what man does? He tries to replace it with his own. He puts a rag around it. Amen. does, you know, it's some kind of substitute, a rag around it, but you see the life of the, of the vine will not flow through a rag. It's got to be the bark, the lifeline, and it's got to be the original doctrine, the original word, because the spirit flows through the word. Amen. And it'll produce the same life the tree had before the insects ate it. Amen. But you know, there again, you know, that's why we got so many isms among us. Because insects come along and ate the bark. And we put the rag of Perugia around it, the rag of Coleman's thunders, the rags of two souls, and the rags of the, and the Holy Spirit can't work through that. Same thing they did with Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian. They put those rags around them. Amen. Put a covering around because it moved the original doctrine. But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I'll bring back it to the original gospel that Paul preached. And when it does, the spirit is going to flow through it. And it'll produce leaves. It'll produce fruit. It'll produce branches. It'll produce life. It'll produce a shade for the Almighty to come and sit down in our midst and be entertained. But when you cut the lifeline, you're a woodsman. You know, you cut around a tree and girdle it around, what is it going to do? It'll kill it. Buddy, you know, one day, I, I had these big pine trees. I had 13 of them. In my yard, I wound up cutting them down and building a house out of them. It's where I got most of the lumber for my house. Big pine trees. Underneath them, you know, I thought it would be nice to have some dogwoods, some uh, fruiting trees and cherry blossoms, and, you know, some magnolias around and different things coming up underneath them and just kind of make it a canopy around. I'd make it a pleasant garden. So I went, I went to a nursery uh, catalog and I picked out some different ones that would grow under those pine trees. And I got them and they were little, about that long. And I planted them out there. And I put them, I put them all around under them trees. And I cared for them and watered them and watched them and made sure insects wouldn't eat on them. Went away to preach a a, a service one time 
And, and I, I, I came back home, and Sister Karen had surprised me, bless her heart, and she had weed it. She didn't cut them down. She just girdled every one of them. The only one that survived and is still alive today is a magnolia tree. And it was, just didn't have no weeds around it, so she didn't ever weed eat it. But all the others, she killed. And I walked out. When I got home, I walked out and was looking around at my plants I've been bathing. And I said, oh, what's happened to my, what? I messed up a good thing. She never weed eat it again. <laughs> but that's all you have to do is girdle the bark. Cut the original doctrine. The life won't flow. The leaves will wither. Are you with me? Amen. Again, again, that's the same thing. Rags, I could have went there and tied rags around them. Somebody help me preach. But it would never produce the tree. It had to be the original, but I couldn't put it back on there. And when man takes it away, he can't put it back. But God can. He said, I will restore, saith the Lord. I'll bring my garden back to its original condition again. So what did he do? He ate off faith. You know, because, and when faith was ate off, you know, the, the vine's not operating like it did at the beginning. Even Jude said, we must earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. We're losing something here. Amen. This faith, I want you to hear your prophet say, the faith of the saints was not in creeds. It was not in denomination. It was not in church buildings, not in associations, but it was in the presence of the living God. They had faith. Oh, you say, well, Brother Tim, glory to God. We got faith. We, 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 uh, we have this doctrine here. We have that doctrine. We're, 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 no, they had faith to heal the sick, cast out devils, do miracles, all the great promises Jesus made that the first church held on to. That was a lifeline. What did he say? When the son of man cometh, will he find? God's going to be looking for faith. But if an insect ate it all off and made us a bunch of faithless, powerless people whose only weapon is argument, then we're going to find ourselves coming up short on that day. Amen. Especially when God promised, I will restore. Amen. Oh, my so, so again, he said, the ever, presence, uh, the ever presence of the living God is a lifeline of any church or any bunch of people, the ever presence of the living God to perform and to do and to act and to live with the people as he did in the beginning. If the presence of the living God brought a Pentecost with power, signs, wonders, brought a people so full of the glory of God till they shouted and spoke with other tongues and went and martyred for the faith, let's earnestly contend for that faith until death sets us free. Amen. Earnestly contend for that. So you see, it's got to bear that. If the original, if his first branch brought out that vine was a Pentecostal branch with power, visions, revelations, healing, sanctification, uh, the Holy Spirit, the next branch will do the same thing. So what should we look for? A branch that's Pentecostal branch with power, visions, revelations, healings, sanctification, Holy Spirit, If that was the first one, the last one's going to do the same thing. 
So if one of these devilish insects takes the bark off the tree, an old man-made rag or covering won't allow the sap into the trees, the Holy Spirit will not flow through creeds of men. So next thing you see, the leaves are withered, and that's why we can't have revival in our day is because of man-made rags on the tree. The doctrine of the church. If it it won't allow the praises to flow, given sweetness to the fruit. You see, it don't say, now, now listen to me. It's really subtle. It's slick. It don't say days of miracles are past. It's too subtle for that. It just, say, it just says that was for the prophet. Or I was just to vindicate the message. You see, this is not the season for miracles. Because we have the word now. It's just another rag. If it's the true doctrine, it will let the life flow. You see, the problem of what people is calling the word, calling the word is really a rag. And it's put on by man to dress the wound made by the canker worm. It's not the word. Let me tell you what the word does. The word heals. The word performs miracles. The word delivers. The word casts out devils. The word produces holiness. The word produces joy. Somebody help me preach. The word produces every promise in the word of God flows through the bark. Amen. Amen. Making the leaves where that they can move in the spirit and produce fruit on the branches. Now, how do we know that it was the word in Jesus' day? It cast out devils. It opened the eyes of the blind. It healed the sick. It performed the miraculous. It brought down the Holy Ghost. How did we know it was a word in Brother Branham's day? It brought the Holy Ghost. It cast out devils. It opened the eyes of the blind. It healed the sick. It performed the miracles. How do you know a church is in the word today? It brings down the Holy Ghost. It cast out devils. Amen. It saves the lost. Somebody help me preach. It opens the eyes of the blind. It heals the sick. It performs the miraculous. It manifests the care of Christ. That's how we know. Amen. Amen. You see, because it must produce the fruits of the, the root. And the life of Christ or the life of God comes right down to the roots here, the root and offspring of David and begins to come up through the Holy Spirit. Then the Denomination said, days of miracles are past. You don't have to speak with tongues today. There's no such thing as baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's no divine healing. That was for an age gone. It's gone long ago. So here's the branches up here suffering. But Brother Branham said, he said, I'm looking at a stump. And I'm looking back to the original root. And I'm looking to the stump that's been cut down. And he said, I'll die on this stump. Proclaiming this word, I will restore, saith the Lord. Now, that was your prophet. He was saying, I will die on this stuff. This will be the last dying breath of mine. God is going to restore this church. I'm going to have a bride in the evening time. There's going to be signs and wonders. There's going to be the miraculous. There's going to be people on fire with God. The 
joy of the Lord and the shout of the king will be in their midst. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, I will not put up with any man-made rag on the tree. Hallelujah. Let me die in that same place. He said, if my God doesn't come in my generation, I'll die on the stump where the canker worms eat too, believing that Jesus Christ and his church and his word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'll stand loyal on that stump and cry, the hour will come. God will restore his church to his former condition. Hallelujah. What a wonderful word. What a promise you can look at. Now, what about you? You may be a leaf on that tree, a little twig on that tree. You may have went through some things and been eaten down. You may have been hurt and scarred. Sin may have done its damage on your life. But God said, I will restore, saith the Lord. Out there, you might be a backslidden church and cold and formal, but let me just say to you, God's not going to leave his bride that way. There is a message of restoration, amen. Amen. No, no sir, we are not going to go down in defeat. Amen. Oh, my. We're, we're, listen, Brother Brandon said, what did they add? They also added, you don't have to get out and act like they did. It don't give you joy and power and speaking in tongues and all these things. You don't have to have it. Just make your confession and shake hands. That's some poison dope of the devil. If it made them act like that way when they took the medicine, it'll make you act the same way. Hallelujah. You say, well, you say, well, Brother Tim, today we just, you know, we just received the word and we received this doctrine and this truth and that's our evidence of the Holy Ghost. Listen, Brother Brandon said, I say this, my beloved people, listen to me. I'll stand with you someday in the day of judgment and I'll have to answer. I'll never answer to a creed. So help me, God, I'll answer to the Bible. That's the book I stand by. There is no place in the Bible, I'm quoting, where they ever receive the Holy Ghost without having emotions, speaking in tongues and shoutings and praising of God and prophecies and manifestations. They never did just get up and walk away and shake hands with the preacher and walk away. There's no such place in the Bible they ever received, ever was baptized outside of being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. No place in the Bible they ever taught Trinity. It was always one God. Hear, O Israel, I am the Lord your God, one God. They shall have no other gods beside me. I am the Lord thy God, not a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, but I'm God. Forever he's God. He always was God. He always will be God. And I just want to say, there'll never be two lords either. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. So there, there again, we look right there and we have seen the rags. Ain't no need for rags on this branch. The original bark is back. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, my. Brother Brennan said, and I'm closing on this. The musician can head this way, but I don't promise to stop preaching. But he said another fruit he ate off was the joy of salvation. I'm quoting. Shh. You people make too much noise. My, oh, my. How can you preach Brother Branham, a man said to me one time, I said, I hope he's here. 
He belongs to another church, but he said to me, I was up there to hear you the other day, and I couldn't even hear you for them people crying. How in the world can you preach? I said, I can't preach unless they do holler like that. I don't know where I'm standing. I don't know how they're receiving it. And I said, if they didn't enjoy it, I wouldn't be preaching it there. That's right. He said, they said, he said, well, it makes chills go up and down my back to hear her crying and shouting. I said, you mean that dear little saintly little mother sitting back there weeping and made shivers go up and down you when, when she was rejoicing in the spirit? I said, if she wasn't doing it, shivers would run up and down my back. I wouldn't know where I was. Oh, I love the spirit of God. Feel the spirit of God moving among the people, saturating them with the Holy Ghost. He said, oh, that nearly froze my, nearly froze me to death. He said, it did, brother. You better change a whole lot. If you're ever fortunate enough to get to heaven, you'll freeze to death then when you come up there and hear all them screaming and crying and shouting up there while they cry, holy, 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 before him day and night all the time. They're going to be shouting and praising God and rejoicing and thousands times, thousands rejoicing and singing and praising God when they come into his presence. Now, let me tell you something right now, my brother. You're living in the quietest world you'll ever live in. If you go to hell, there'll be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. If you go to heaven, there will be hallelujahs and praise of God night and day for all time. This is the quietest place you ever live in. You might as well get customized here before you get started that way. Hallelujah. Amen. Get customized the way heaven's going to be. Let a little heaven come down in our churches. Amen. He said, don't you think that's emotion? He said, sir, anything without emotion scientifically is dead. And any church or person that's born of the Holy Spirit says, says God hasn't got a little emotion about them, they're dead. Well, brother Tim, but our joy is an emotion. <laughs> if joy isn't an emotion, what is it? It's a feeling based on something wonderful. Amen. It was a doctor said to Brother Brandon, said, don't you think that people are just getting excited? I said, no, sir, I don't. So what makes them, you know, what makes them that's nervousness because they scream and holler and go on. I said, doctor, you mean to tell me that nerves can be excited about something that there's nothing to be, without something to excite them? Something has to excite them. So what was there? So what was there, he asked. What was there to excite them? He said, the unseen force of the Holy Ghost moving among us, it excites that born-again spirit. It brings an excitement to that spirit. The power of God foams down through. Faith comes by hearing. The word takes the Holy, uh, takes, the Holy Ghost takes the word, spreads it all over the people to catch it with a power that the regenerated born-again life, something's got to cry out. Yes. Hallelujah. Brother Joe was telling us about the revival down in Ohio and how our kids are coming back. Amen. There ought to be a church here in Louisiana that welcomes our young people with the same way. Hallelujah. That has the same joy. That can say the joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me and the world can't take it away. There ought to be people here that the Spirit of God moves upon and brings them joy and rejoicing. 
clap their hands and rejoice and shout and sing. Amen. God bless you, church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Worship him with all of your heart. Thank Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And every tree that has fruit with seeds in it, they will be yours for food. Let the Almighty be able to feast under our tree. Worship him this morning with all your heart. These are the days of Elijah. Well, these are the days of Elijah. Amen. Be careful. They're tender branches that are coming up. Amen. 
We got to be careful around them. It's not that we want to be careful towards them, but we want to be careful around them. Amen. The Lord has been moving mightily among them. And we want to we want to show the Lord's been moving here too. Amen. So one of these days we're all going to get to heaven. Oh, sing the wondrous. 